Morning, everyone. We are so excited that you have joined us today on Easter Sunday, 2020. Welcome to Church Online. I want to encourage you, just like every week that we've been doing, uh, click that share button. We encourage you to like and comment and uh, interact during the service so that we can uh, really just pretend like we are still gathering in person and uh, have the most interaction possible. And what a great week we've had together as a church so far, right? Palm Sunday, being able to celebrate some things that Jesus taught us on His way to the cross. On Friday, Good Friday, being able to take communion together. What a great opportunity and time that was. And then today to celebrate the fact that Jesus is not dead, but He is alive. And so we are excited that you're with us today. And I want to take a few moments. I'm going to jump right in because I want to talk to you on this subject today. I've titled this message for Easter 2020, The Great Exchange. The Great Exchange. And I want to remind you, you can get these notes on the Bible app. And so if you want to follow along, you want to take notes on there, I encourage you to do that. You can find those on the Bible app under events. And we're going to begin today by reading through the story uh, really of this weekend. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so I want to read it from Matthew's gospel. We're going to start in verse uh, 31 of chapter 27. And we're going to read quite a bit, and then we're going to get into uh, what I believe God wants to share with us today for Easter Sunday. This is Matthew 27, starting in verse 31. The Bible says, When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his, his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. 
The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rocks. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb watching. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, "'Don't be afraid,' he said. "'I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified.' He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message." What an incredible time we have during this season every single year to celebrate what Jesus did for us, to remember His death, His burial, but ultimately the fact that He was raised from the dead on the third day. And it's such an incredible time that we have to celebrate this. And as we begin talking about this idea of the great exchange that I believe God wants to speak to us, I'm curious today if there's any of you that have ever gone to the store to exchange something. I know for me, there are many times that I'll go for many different reasons to exchange something at a store, maybe because you got the wrong thing the first time and you wanted to exchange what you got for what you actually needed or wanted. Maybe you've gone to the phone store to exchange your old phone for a new phone, right? Maybe someone brought you a gift and that gift didn't fit. Maybe it was some type of clothing and you went to exchange it for something that would fit. And I was even thinking through the Bible and the Bible is full of exchanges that were made. And these are just a few that come to my mind. I think about the fact that God exchanged his son for a relationship with you and me, that Jesus exchanged heaven for earth. The disciples exchanged their normal lives for following Jesus. Peter exchanged the safety of the boat for the supernatural experience of walking on water. Paul exchanged persecuting Christians for becoming one. The people in the upper room exchanged their own power for the power of the Holy Spirit. Many people in the Bible exchanged 
playing it safe to take up their cross and truly follow after Jesus. And today I want to talk to you about the greatest exchange that Jesus wants to make with you personally. And to do that, I want to give you four points today as we go through the message that we're simply calling the great exchange. Here's point number one. It's that the cross took all of your sin and shame. The cross took all of your sin and shame. In Isaiah 53, starting in verse 3, this is what the Bible says. It says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have gone, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us Oh, what a beautiful picture this is of why Jesus endured and went through what he went through. I emphasized them as I was reading these verses, but let me point out the wording of these verses again. As we went through these, these few verses, it says, It was our weaknesses. It was our sorrows. It was our rebellion. It was our sins. It was the sins of us Listen, when Jesus was beaten, it was for your sicknesses. It was for your healing. It was something that he was going to be able to take away from you. When Jesus carried the cross, he was carrying your sorrows and your weaknesses. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, it was your sins that were nailed to the cross. Why did, why did Jesus do all of this? So you could be healed. So you could be made whole. So you could be forgiven. So you wouldn't have to carry all of these things yourself. Jesus took all of them on himself so that you wouldn't have to carry them on you. So that you wouldn't have to go through your life carrying these things. The cross of Jesus Christ took all of your sin, but not only all of your sin, it also took all of your shame. Here's point number two today. It's simply that the empty tomb gives you hope. The empty tomb gives you hope. In Luke chapter 24, another account of what happened when Jesus uh, was raised from the dead. And I love this account that Luke, uh, that Luke writes. He's starting in verse 1. He says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. 
Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Why did Peter get up in that moment and run to the tomb? When he heard this news, why was Peter the one to get up and run to the tomb? Here's what I believe. I believe it's because Peter was looking for hope. Peter was looking for hope. Peter had denied Jesus three times, and for the past few days, he really didn't know what to do with himself. Where do we go from here? What do we do now? The last thing that I did was deny Jesus, and now he's dead. And I believe that Peter got up because he was looking for hope. Peter had heard Jesus talk about giving his life and predicting things that would happen, but during this time, he was struggling. Peter was struggling. He was struggling with things being different than what he had known for the past few years. He was struggling with how he had denied Jesus. He was struggling with thoughts about where to go from here. And let me ask you a question. Does this sound familiar at all? Does this sound familiar to you? I think we could all find ourselves at some point in this place of struggle. I believe that there are there may be many of you watching right now who are struggling during this season. You're struggling with fear. You're struggling with frustration. And when we stop and think about it, uh, we can kind of put ourselves in the same place as Peter in the sense that there are many of us watching right now on Easter Sunday 2020 who are looking for some kind of hope, looking for some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. And I believe in that moment when Peter heard this news that the tomb was empty, he thought to himself, what if this is really true? What if what they're saying is actually true? Could it be that there is actually hope? Could it be that Jesus really is alive? And so he got up and he ran to go see if he could find hope. And somebody once said this, that we can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, and about one second without hope. We're looking for hope. Maybe you're in this moment looking for hope. And now more than ever, many people are looking for hope. And can I tell you today that if you'll look in the right place, you can find hope. If you'll look in the right place and really to the right person, you can find hope today. We just sang these words a few minutes ago in worship, the song, the blessing that says, He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Can I tell you today that God is for you, that Jesus is for you. You can find hope today. Because of the empty tomb, you can find hope. You can find hope. The truth that Jesus has risen and is for you can bring you hope today no matter what. Here's point number three. It's simply that there's room for you in the Father's house. There is room for you in the Father's house. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, this is what the Bible says. Jesus himself, he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you will know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. 
I love the fact that Jesus makes a point in this moment to tell us that there is more than enough room in the Father's house for you and for me. That He has gone to prepare a place and He wants you to be there. There is room in the Father's house for you. And I wonder, have you ever felt like, if there's anybody that's ever felt like your sin was too great? Maybe right now you're even watching this and you've stumbled across this or somebody shared this, uh, this service with you and you're watching right now and you're thinking to yourself, my sin is too great. I don't think there's really any hope for me. I don't think there's any way that this could be for me. Or maybe you felt like there was no way that uh, you were ever going to be able to make it to heaven based on the life that you had lived. You know, your, your sin is too great and your lifestyle is too dark or has been too dark for God to be able to save you, for you to be able to get into heaven, for you to be able to find salvation and forgiveness and grace and mercy and all of these things that Jesus offers you. And I came to tell you today, to tell somebody today, that your sin is not too great and your lifestyle has not been too dark for God to save you and change you. I remember taking college classes and seeing that in order to get into certain classes, maybe you remember this, in order to get into these certain classes, there were prerequisite classes that you had to take. And I remember thinking, oh, I want to take that class. And then there would be the little asterisk beside it. And if you looked into that, it would, be, it would mean that there was something else you had to do before you could get into that class. And it would be discouraging at times because I really wanted to take that class, but I don't want to have to go through the thing or the class that, that they're requiring me to go through to get into what I want. And maybe you feel as if, uh, you know, if you look at your life today, that there are so many things that you would need to do or that you would need to stop or that you would need to start doing before you could come to Jesus or before you could be saved or before you could get to the Father, before you could get to God. But here's the reality today. It's the only prerequisite to get to the Father is to just go through Jesus. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day for you so that you could have a life, so that you could be forgiven, so that He could take your sin, so that He could take your shame, no matter what it is, no matter what your background is, no matter what your past looks like. Nothing is too great. Nothing is too dark that God cannot take it and that He cannot change your life today. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. And here in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you're going to have the opportunity to receive forgiveness and re receive Jesus and what He did for you into your life, if you're ready to do that today. And here's what I believe God wants to say to you in this moment. No matter who you are, there's room for you. There is room for you. There is more than enough room for you. And here's point number four today. It's that God's exchange policy changes everything. God's exchange policy changes everything. If you think about exchange policies at the store, uh, most of them have a certain day limit, you know, maybe a 30-day limit or a 90-day limit that if you are going to to, to bring this back, if you are going to exchange this for something else, you have to do it within this certain amount of time. But God's exchange policy never runs out. God's exchange policy never, ever, ever runs out. When we exchange something at the store, we're usually required, right? We're required when we go in to exchange it for something of equal 
or lesser value. And maybe you've experienced this, I know I have, that you have to find something of equal or lesser value to exchange the item that you're wanting to exchange this item for. And if we want to exchange something for a greater value, we're required to pay the difference, right? If you've ever gone to exchange something and it was worth $10, but you wanted something that was worth $15, when you bring it back, you have to pay the $5 difference. But listen to me, here is the great news and and the greatest thing that you can know of all is that whenever you make the decision to exchange your sin for God's grace and forgiveness and all of these that, that God always exchanges for something greater. When you bring what's going on inside of you, when you bring your sin, when you bring your shame, when you bring your guilt, God always exchanges it for something better, for something of greater value. And the best news of all, He already paid the difference. He has already paid the difference. And so when you make this exchange for something of greater value that God wants to give you today, you can stand confidently knowing that He has already paid the difference for it. There's a song out right now that wrecks me really every time I listen to it, and it's called Graves Into Gardens. And I would encourage you, if you haven't heard it, to look it up. Uh, Graves Into Gardens. And I want to read you just the bridge of that song what it, what it says about the God that we serve, the God that is inviting you into relationship with Him today. It says, He turns mourning to dancing. He gives beauty for ashes. He turns shame into glory. He turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. And He turns seas into highways. And here's the reality of it all today. He's the only one who can. He's the only one who can do that for you. He's the only one who can truly offer that to you. And so if you're watching right now and you're ready to make this exchange with God, we're going to pray this prayer together. And if you're, if you're watching right now and you say, you know, I want God to turn my grave into a garden. I want God to take my sin and give me life and hope. I want God to take my shame and give me His righteousness, then I want to encourage you right where you are, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're standing, wherever you're watching this from, to just repeat this prayer after me. And I believe if you repeat this prayer, if you pray this prayer and you mean this in your heart, that God is going to save you today, that He is going to make the greatest exchange that can ever be made with you. And He's going to give you something of much greater value, something that He's already paid the price for. And so let's pray this prayer together if you're ready. Just say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to forgive me, to die for me, to take my sin, to take my shame so that I can be made whole, so that I can be a new creation. And right now, I admit that I need you, that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I want to make this great exchange. I want you to take my sin I want you to take my shame and I want to receive your life. I want to receive your hope. I want to receive your salvation today. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again on the third day. And I confess you right now in this moment as Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. What an incredible moment and opportunity 
that we have had over the last week to celebrate all that God did for us by sending Jesus and Palm Sunday and taking communion together and remembering what Good Friday is all about and really ultimately celebrating today that Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And that's good news today. And I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer and you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love for you to let us know. You can do that in the comments below. You can just let us know in there, I prayed that prayer, or however you want to word that. We would love to do that. Or you can let us know by sending an email to prayer at yourimpactchurch.com. We would love to pray for you. We would love to be a blessing to you. We would love to encourage you and celebrate with you. And I want to pray for us all, every person that's watching this, every person that's celebrating, every person that's given their life to Jesus, every person that that is just celebrating today what God has done for them and just remembering what it is that Jesus did for you. I want to pray for for us all as we dismiss today and we go our separate ways. And so let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. God, we thank you today once again for who you are, for loving us enough to send your son to die for us. God, I pray that that not just on this weekend or this week or this day, but that every day for the rest of our lives that we would take time to remember what you did, that we would take time to honor you, to give thanks to you, that we would truly give our lives, every area of our lives to you. God, I pray blessing and favor over every person that's watching this, every person that's listening to this, every person that is engaged in this moment right now. God, would you do what only you can do in our hearts and lives? God, bring us hope, give us new life. God, give us a new perspective. Draw us closer to you in every way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. We thank you so much for joining us today on Easter Sunday 2020. We hope you have a great day, a great time with your family. Thank you for celebrating with us. God bless you.